Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Quick turnaround here, friends, because we have to give you an orange slice because the people demand it. But when we come back, the great Tim Benz, Syracuse alum and one of the best uh, Pittsburgh media people that cover the Pittsburgh sports scene, including for the Tribune Review, great podcast, great articles, great stuff from Tim Benz. He'll join us when we come back. Stay right there. ESPN 97.7 at 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. And now it's time for a look inside Syracuse University Athletics with today's Orange Slice. Both Orange women's and Orange men's basketball are at Pittsburgh late this week. We'll have one recap, one preview in your daily Orange Slice next. Introducing the Dunkin' Run. A dollar donut with any medium coffee. A whole new era of... I'm going on a Dunkin' Run. You want anything? Yeah, maybe a jelly donut and an iced coffee. You got it. Wait, actually glazed donut and a hot coffee. Mm. Okay, back on track. Make it a Dunkin' Run. Get a $1 donut with any medium coffee. America runs on Dunkin'. Exclude specialty donuts and fancies. Offer valid on medium or larger coffees. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Dear SU fans, if you want to win it all, you have to have the right team. That's why Toyota has assembled an impressive squad. The adventurous RAV4 dominates as the best-selling small SUV in America. The Highlander can carry a team on its back with seating for up to eight. And the Tundra is an enforcer that's not afraid to do the dirty work to get the job done. The road to victory starts in a Toyota. Go Orange! Toyota is the proud sponsor of Syracuse Orange. Toyota, let's go places. Based on manufacturer or estimates, see 2017 through 2021 sales. Syracuse women's basketball closed its regular season Thursday night with a second straight win on the road at Pittsburgh and not close. The Orange won 85-55 and had four players in double-figure scoring. The Asian Fair, 23 points and a dozen apiece from Tisha Hyman and Sanaya Wilson led the way. The Orange now 9-9 in ACC play and the conference tournament is up next. The Syracuse men follow the women into the Peterson Event Center for a Saturday 5 o'clock game. The Orange coming off back-to-back lopsided losses need to improve at both ends of the floor, according to head coach Jim Behan. Our defense is not good right now, and it's it's been okay this year, you know, around the 9 or 10 spot in the league, but it's really been better earlier in the year. I just think some of the younger guys might be getting worn down a little bit, but we're just not covering some areas. Offensively, the guards are carrying us, and we need other people. Obviously, Jesse's been limited uh, big time the last couple games. Uh, For us to be successful, we need him, and uh, we need somebody at the forwards, but I think Malik's got a little tired, too. He was much better early when he was going, and that's not unusual for freshmen. In the first meeting with Pittsburgh just before Christmas, the Orange found themselves down 20 with 10 minutes to go before falling 84-82. One-time Pitt recruit Judah Mintz led the Orange with 24 points in that game. Mintz is coming off a 23-point outing in the Orange's loss Wednesday night at Clemson. Tip-off Saturday in Pittsburgh is 5 p.m. With your Daily Orange Slice, I'm Matt Park on the Syracuse Sports Network from Learfield. 
Are you getting a nice tax refund? Great! If you're planning on buying something with that money, the folks at Pawn Pro would like to ask you to spend that money with locally owned businesses like theirs. Because every dollar you spend locally makes a difference. Local companies care about their communities, treat their employees better, and support other local businesses. Because every dollar you spend locally makes a difference. Buy local at Pawn Pro on Erie Boulevard or pawnpro.com. The staff at AllPast reminds our female listeners that breast and cervical cancer are very serious issues. Many women are diagnosed each year with these silent predators. So please schedule a complete physical and screenings today and tell your family and friends. Don't put it off because early detection is key to increasing survival. That's from AllPast, where they say service isn't just a courtesy, it's a commitment. Call 315-469-4352, 469-4352 for AllPast, 5949 North Burdick Street in Syracuse. WTLA North Syracuse, WSGO Oswego, W249BC Mattydale, W261AC Oswego, WTKWHD2 Bridgeport, ESPN Radio. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. I would never say, no matter if I thought we were going to win two games, I would never say, if somebody asked me the question, can you be a tournament team? Yeah, absolutely. I didn't say we're going to be. I said we can be. You're always going to answer that in that way. That doesn't mean you're predicting you're in the tournament. That's not a prediction. That's what we can do. And, uh, you know, we've given up a couple games that we maybe could have won, and we would have been a lot closer to it. But... Uh, we knew this would be a, a learning year for these young guys, and they're getting better, but not not quite good enough. Well, not playing for the tournament around here, but uh, Pittsburgh certainly is, and uh, they've got the league title in mind here, and they've got a pretty crazy environment awaiting Jim Beheim and company as they arrive tomorrow for a 5 o'clock tip-off, and always a pleasure to welcome in our next guest to talk all things Pittsburgh, I mean, good God, what does Tim Benz not do? Pittsburgh Tribune Review, Steelers pregame, does a little play-by-play for Duquesne, ESPN Radio Pittsburgh. What am I leaving out here, Tim? Are you, like, uh, working at Trader Joe's part-time, too? I mean, good gracious, my man. You got it all going on. How are you? Yeah. I'm great. Uh, thanks for the grand intro. The only thing you're leaving out, and it's not your fault, Thankfully, it's coming back. Is Robert Morris University hockey? Let's go. It was a Division One program that was flushed a couple years ago, and there was a huge movement to bring it back. And Robert Morris University hockey is coming back next year, and I can't wait to be back on the call for those games because college hockey is a blast. Love it, love it. And of course, we left out one of the grand things of your resume here: Syracuse alum, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, so I'll be there as a citizen at the Peterson Event Center tomorrow. I'll be there in my orange and blue uh, trying to blend in or stand out, depending on how the game is going. (laughs) If it's like the first half against Pitt last time, I'll just be trying to blend in. If uh, Syracuse is playing better, I'll be obnoxious and try to stand out. That's my strategy. Well, you're going to be there, Tim, and I am happy to see that the Oakland Zoo is just going crazy again. It's selling out again. Because that's one of the great environments in college basketball when it's humming, right? So tell me about the comeback there, the program building itself back up to the point where not only is that place sold out, 
as you and I talked about on your podcast, uh, I don't think they've forgotten what Jim Beheim said a couple of weeks ago, did they? Exactly. This is going to be the most emotionally charged game at the Pete, even though, like you said, the crowds have started to come back. They're younger again. They're energized again. The students are into it. The alumni is into it. Uh, Believe me, Brent, there's nothing that a Pitt fan does better than play the victim and, you know, be the aggrieved party. And when you're at the top or near the top of the ACC standings all year, as they have been, and you don't get ranked, um, boy, the, the parade for woe is us. Uh, is something that Pitt fans rally around better than most. And uh, they have played it up, and I think deservedly so. I've been screwed in the ratings. I think that the team is better than what the pollsters have given it credit for. And I think if they're a little bit more of an established program in the post-Jamie Dixon years than they have been, uh, we're not questioning, like, you know, they're on the bubble. I think I saw the Lenardi latest bracketology had them, if not, I guess they weren't in the last four in. They were the four before that. They were like a 10 or an 11 or something like that. So I think if they're more of a name program like they were in the DeWan Blair years, uh, no one around here is sweating. So uh, they will be fired up because it's important, and they will be fired up because, yes, they remember what Jim Beheim said a few weeks ago about buying a team. And uh, as you pointed out to, to me on the podcast, the irony of that, statement the timing from Beheim was not lost on anybody in Pittsburgh let me put it to you that way now here's what I'm curious about Tim you, you're on the beat of this like you do a lot of Pittsburgh Steelers coverage obviously the Pens are uh hot in that city and I hope they keep losing so the Sabres gain some ground on them and make the playoffs but that's a whole different topic for a different day and that city and, and what commands the attention of that city so how much has Pittsburgh oh do we lose Tim oh we'll get him back Jordan we lost him we're going to get him back on the line so what I'm curious about is Steelers country, Penn's country, and they dominate so much of the conversation. When Pittsburgh football, and they have been good lately, Pat Narduzzi has revived that, right? When Pitt basketball is humming, it's at the very least worthy of the coverage, worthy of sports radio attention, but it's hard to, yeah, even on, in February 24th, they're more worried about you know what Mike Tomlin's going to do in the draft than about Pittsburgh basketball. So it really takes a lot for them to stand out, it feels like. And like Tim was saying, no way, to, no better way to stand out and no better way to rally the troops than to be the victim. And they have a true case to do that, right? They have a true case to do that. So, Tim, uh, what I was saying there while well, we got you back on the line, I was intrigued by what you said about Pitt fans kind of playing the victim a little bit, right? Because... It's hard to crack through in that city, through Steelers talk, through Penguins talk, right? So people are rallying not only behind that, but but this is a good team that has turned it around in a year's time. I mean, a year ago, people were probably calling for Jeff Campbell to be fired, right? It wasn't quite that bad because I think Pitt fans are so upset about the amount of turnover that they've had when it comes to coaches, football and basketball-wise. I think they were willing to be patient. I think they know it was a coup that they got capable. I think they were willing to see it through until this year. I think this year was the test year. This year was the year that patience was going to run out if it didn't go like it has gone. But uh, to the earlier point, I, I don't know where you might have lost me, but you know, I, I do think they have a right to play the victim card because I think they've been passed over a bit. But you're right, too, 
in what you've said about cracking through from a basketball perspective here in Pittsburgh. I mean, basketball without an NBA team uh, is by far and away the, the fourth sport, and it can be even more forgotten than that if Pitt isn't relevant. So they picked a good year to be relevant. They've picked a good year to be good because the Steelers weren't. They weren't good enough to matter late and, and make the playoffs. They mattered to the last week of the season. But um, the Penguins are really having a down year. Um, no one really, you know, Andrew McCutcheon's coming back, but we have no delusions of grandeur about who the Pirates are. So this is a great time for Pitt to be good because people are talking about him. And it was kind of that way, too. Uh, when the Peterson Event Center was first built and Ben Howland and Jamie Dixon had them rolling, um, you know, there's a little bit of in-between phase there for the Penguins. And when Steelers' season ended, they, they were kings. And uh, it's not quite to that level again this year, but the foundation has been laid and people are back into it again. Tim, how do you think people are feeling about the run this team could make and what's ahead of them here now that you have they have your attention, I should say, because it's interesting how they built it, right? They went heavy into the portal. The top three scorers on this team, including a former a Colgate player who tore up Syracuse when he was at Colgate, are their leading scorers here. And, and what Jeff Capel has done is shown you can do it in the portal. You know, Jim Beheim went the other way. He brought in a bunch of freshmen after last year and tried to do it the traditional way. But I think what Jeff Capel showed is no, 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 no. Like you got to hit that portal as hard as you can and and kind of get ahead in the race. Right, and they did mix in a couple freshmen, too, in the Diaz-Graham twins from Spain, uh, who will be part of this team for the long term moving forward. And Federico Federico is uh, a good-looking sophomore. They got his brother, too, as a recruit. So they're doing it both ways. And, yeah, the portal is the way to go, and we're not just seeing that at Pitt here in Pittsburgh. Duquesne's doing the same thing in the A-10. You know, Duquesne is a team that's rebuilt itself through the portal twice. Uh, they tried it last year, and it blew up in their face, and they went 6-24. and So they rebooted the whole thing, and now they're on the verge of being a 20-win team in the A-10. So people are getting used to how that formula works here, too. Um, you know, we don't see a lot of big free agent acquisitions when it comes to the Penguins and Steelers. So the portal is sort of our college version of that, nor the Pirates, for that matter, by any stretch of the imagination. So the portal's kind of a fun, different thing around here. So, uh, yeah, we'll wrap our arms around that when it comes to college basketball in Pittsburgh. Tim, the past couple of games, Jesse Edwards has been just shut down, flat out, by Duke and Clemson, as you've seen. I know you uh, keep tabs on things as a Syracuse fan. Does Pitt have the personnel to do the same thing, right? Like Jesse, the flaw there is he's just not big enough. He's 6'11", he's like 230, he gets pushed around by bigger players. If I'm Jeff Capel and I've seen what Duke and Clemson have done the last two games, I'd imagine I'm going to look at my roster and say, well, how do I do that? Because if you shut off Jesse, Syracuse wilts. There's just only so much that Judah Mintz and Joe Girard can do, and they're not getting enough from their forwards at this point to make up for any loss production. Right, and this would be, in that regard, a big John Hughley game if he was still as much part of the mix as you know, you're suggesting. That, that that would be the kind of player that could give Edwards, I think, a lot of problems. Maybe you do see more of the Diaz-Graham guys. Maybe you do see um, uh, Federico take on a, a bigger role in, in this game. He's 6'11", 220. Um, you know, there's that aspect of it when Syracuse has the ball. And then, you know, the dangerous thing, when Syracuse plays Pitt right now, or basically when anybody plays Pitt, but especially Syracuse in the zone, is that 
they've got enough shooters, and this is very different. This is something that Pitt fans are not used to seeing is that they've got a variety of guys who can make shots from the perimeter. Um, they've got different guys who can uh, affect the game from the outside. Like you might have a night where two of them are off, but three of them are on. And that's what scares me from a Syracuse perspective looking at Pitt is that even if they do a good job on, like, you know, let's say they do a good job on Burton and Cummings, well, okay, then maybe it's a big Elliott night and, and he Well, I think we lost him again, unfortunately. Guys. Uh, oh, oh, here he is. Yeah, I think they have different guys that can influence the game from the outside, and, and that's that's problematic for for Syracuse on, on the offensive side of the ball for, for Pitt. Tim, it's great to hear your voice. It's great to catch up. Now, you brought up the Pirates a moment ago. I will be at PNC Park this summer, but not for the Pirates, though I would love to see a baseball game there. I am uh, taking my bride to see Pink on August 5th in that lovely ballpark. So we'll have to get together, and uh, you'll have to show me the way in Pittsburgh. Believe it or not, I have never been to that fair city, so I'm going to need an expert to show me the way, and you're the first person that comes to mind. And unfortunately, I think we did lose Tim there. He's in a bit of a, a phone zone there. So I'll connect with Tim on that off the air a little bit. But, yes, true story, my first visit to the lovely city of Pittsburgh is going to be this summer for Pink, rock and roll. Pink, then Springsteen a month later. Not bad. Not bad on on, on the concert run coming up uh, this, this summer, though. My wife's more the Pink fan. We're both big Springsteen fans. But, uh, yeah, never been to Pittsburgh, so I'll have to get the uh, – the, the scoop from Timmy on that. Uh, we need to take a break. I appreciate Tim and his perspective as always. When we come back, remember, friends, now that football season is behind us, the draft has moved to Friday. And with all the talk about the zone this week and everybody got all fired up about the zone, we even did a dramatic reading of your tweets, mostly centered on the zone. We thought we'd have a little fun. So the draft today, when we come back, Jordan, Josh, and I are going to draft the Mount Rushmore of zones. This should be fun. This is going to be a sink or swim kind of draft. There's no in-between. This is either going to be really good or it's going to stink. We shall see. Stay right there.